If you guys don't mind, I think I'm going to sit. I was thinking I was going to be able to stand all, but I think my, my legs are telling me differently. Uh, let's pray, Father in heaven. We come before your word, Lord God, wanting to know it, wanting to hear it and, and do it. We need to believe it, Father. You said that your word is a lamp unto our feet, and certainly we need light, Lord, as to light our path in life. We just pray that, Lord God, you'd give us ears to hear, hearts to take it in, that we wouldn't harden our hearts against you and against your word, even if it convicts us, Lord. We'll give you the praise and glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Last night, I'm going over some of the things I wanted to talk about. And about nine o'clock at night, the Lord changed the whole message. <laughs> Just love it when he does that. It's awesome. Uh, I want to talk to you today about decision making, about making decisions, okay? In Joel, you don't have to turn there because you'll never find it in time. In Joel chapter 3, verse 14, here's what it says. Multitudes, multitudes in the valley of decision. For the day of the Lord in the valley of decision. You know, anybody that really has a fairly good handle on what's going on in our world and knows just enough about Bible prophecy could certainly agree with the, the statement that we are living in the last days. I mean, we have to be. This world is not going to continue on unabated the way it is for a lot longer I know that back when I first became a Christian, we felt that we were living in the last days then. And really, in reality, what is 30 years with the Lord? You know, a, a day with the Lord is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. But things would seem to be getting closer. You know, we're only one decision away sometimes from changing our entire life. I was researching last night for the other study I was going to bring to you on Pontius Pilate. Interesting study on him. You know, he was uh, the prefect. He was the, the head judge there in Judea. And, and he, of course, acquiesced to the Jews' wishes of, of wanting to crucify Jesus Christ, even though he couldn't find any fault in him. In fact, he even asked the question, what am I to do with this Jesus? And I would ask myself the same question, what am I going to do with Jesus? What do I do with Jesus? It's rumored that Pilate ended up committing suicide after he um, left his position there. So, you know, what a decision to make uh, to, to allow an innocent man to be killed. You think about Judas Iscariot. You know, here's a man that lived and walked and talked with Jesus for at least three years, and he made the decision to hand Jesus Christ over to the Jews, and then they handed him over to the Roman authorities, and he went out and hung himself on a tree, stayed dead for enough time to get bloated, the tree limb broke, 
he, he fell down on the ground and his guts burst out. That's what the Bible says. You think about Peter. I mean, Peter made the decision three times. Three times to deny Christ. And it said he went out and wept bitterly. You know, when uh, the disciples were out fishing after the Lord had died and they came upon the scene there on the, the edge of the lake and they recognized Jesus and Peter jumped in the water and swam over to where Jesus was. It's interesting that Jesus asked him three different times, do you love me? He denied Jesus three different times. James, the book of James, gives us a variety of choices on different subjects. And you can turn there if you want to. It's been a while since we studied in James. And as I was thinking last night about uh, what James has to offer us as far as choices, it, it really kind of surprised me that you can go through every chapter and find something to, it's an either or situation. Look at James chapter 1. And um, I'm going to start in verse 2. We're going to basically do a synopsis of the whole book of James today. So uh, hunker down. No, I'm just kidding. We, we'll, we'll be out on time, I think. It says in James chapter 1, verse 2, it says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Consider it pure joy. Now, I don't know about you. But when I face a certain trial, I have a hard time being real joyous about it. I just do. I mean, if we looked at the big picture, we would welcome trials because they do something for us. It says here, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. You see, we don't have perseverance on our own. We have to develop it. It says, perseverance must finish its work. Why? So that we may be mature and complete, not lacking in anything. He goes on to say, if any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault and it will be given to him. I don't know about you, but you know, there's many subjects that I need guidance on. I need wisdom and I need to be asking God about so we can trust God, we can ask for wisdom, or we can be doubters. And it says that in the next uh, verse. It says, but, whenever we see a but, we see a contrast. When he asks, he must believe and not doubt. Because he who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. That man should not think he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all he does. Wow. The last thing we need to do is we need to doubt God. You know, God said it, and he'll do it. Why is that so hard for us to believe? God said it, we read it, and he'll do it. Whatever. Whatever trial you face, it says, consider it pure joy, my brothers, when you face trials of many different kinds. Just this morning, we see trials, health trials, relationship trials, 
Some people out here have financial trials, um, etc., etc. So uh, we need to do that. We need to know that that develops um, perseverance. Now, we have another choice in James. You can be a victim or you can be a victor. Look at verse 12, chapter 1, verse 12. Blessed is the man who perseveres under trial, because when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. That's a victory. 1 John chapter 5, verse 4 says, This is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. It's our faith that gives us the victory in overcoming the world. But listen to what the next verse says. Here's the person that thinks they're the victim. When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. You're not a victim. If you're tempted, if you sin, the Bible has the formula for it in the next verse. It says, each one is tempted when by his own evil desire he is dragged away and enticed. Then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And when sin is full grown, it gives birth to death. We're not victims. We are responsible for our own decisions and our own actions. It's interesting because in verse 19, you have a choice about what you're going to let come out of your mouth and out of your heart. Look what it says. My dear brothers, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. For man's anger does not bring about the righteous life that God desires. Well, I don't know about you, but I'll make a confession. Man, when I get stressed or hungry or tired, boom, it's like that. Can anybody identify with me on this, please? Oh, I see some hands, all right. Man, and it can take the smallest, littlest, stupidest thing to just get me completely off course. I can be praying in my car. Oh, Lord, thank you for such a blah, blah, blah. Somebody will cut me off. You dirty rascal. Man, I can go from being in fellowship to being out of fellowship in that quick. My dear brothers, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen. You know, if you're quick to listen, people will tell you almost everything you need to know. It says, slow to speak. Why? Well, because sometimes when you listen the story gets different than what you thought it was going to be and you can actually have some wisdom to speak to speak. You know, I, I love it when, when you're talking to somebody and let me give you an example, okay? Oh, I'll tell you. I worked out in the yard yesterday and my back just hurts so bad. Oh, yeah, my lumbago hurts. Let me tell you all about my lumbago. Well, I was just telling you about my back. But go ahead, tell me about your lumbago. You know what I mean? They should be quick to listen. I want some sympathy. <laughs> it says, and slow to become angry. Why? 
Well, sometimes when we get angry, we say wrong things. And you know what? When a, once a word and once a sentence is out there, it's out there. Now, it says here, for man's anger does not bring about the righteous life that God desires. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word planted in you which can save you. So you have a choice. You can get angry or you can be patient and let that anger subside. You can talk out a turn or you can be quick to listen. You can listen to the word and not do it or you can listen to the word and do it. Look at the next verse, verse 22. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Listen, somebody who just takes up pew space and listens and then goes out and doesn't do what this word says is deceiving themselves. Okay? Deceiving themselves. The Bible says, how can you love God whom you can't see when you don't love your brother or sister whom you do see? That's logical. It makes sense. How can I love God or say I love God and then treat somebody really bad? That's not right. So it says, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word does not do what it, and does not do what it says is like a man who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But the man who looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues to do this, not forgetting what he has heard, but doing it, he will be blessed in what he does. The next verse takes us back to the tongue. It says, if anyone considers himself religious, now I'm not going to ask for a show of hands, okay, and yet does not keep a tight rein on his tongue, he deceives himself and his religion is worthless. I don't know about you, but you know, I got a lot of time into this, right? 50 years into being a Christian. And it amazes me what comes out of my mouth and what comes out of my heart. Sometimes, I don't know about you, but my heart can be so dark. Can anybody identify with that? Thank you. <laughs> and what does Jesus say? Out of the thoughts, okay, is what comes out. That's what we speak. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself unspotted or from being polluted by the world. You know, Jesus said, I tell you the truth. If you have faith as small as a mustard seed. Now, I want you to think about this. If you've ever had a poppy, uh, 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 what do you call the muffins? The muffins with the little poppy, poppy seeds on it. 
That's about the size of a mustard seed. It's pretty small. But yet a mustard seed grows into really a tree that uh, birds can come in and, and, and nest and you can get shade under. If you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can tell a mountain to move and it will move. Mm. Nothing will be impossible to you, the Bible says. Listen, what mountain do you have in your life today? Christine's got a mountain, a mountain of sadness, a mountain of, of uh, relational problems. Uh, we've got uh, other people that have certain mountains that they want to climb. You know what? Take that faith and use it. Use the faith to move those mountains in your life. In James chapter uh, 1, let's see, am I finished with James chapter 1? I think I maybe am. Yeah. So let's go on to James chapter 2. Okay. Well, that's a, that's a logical conclusion. Okay. Look at what it says in 2.14. What good is it, my brothers, if a man claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save him? And it gives us an example here. Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. I mean, that's a real problem, right? If one of you says to him, how you doing today? Is everything fine? Go, I wish you well, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about his physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. So we want to have faith, and we want to do what the faith says. Now, let's go on. Uh, James chapter 3, verse 1. Not many of you should presume to be teachers, my brothers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. We all stumble in many ways, but if anyone never, now listen, if anyone is never at fault in what he says, he is a perfect man able to keep his whole body in check. Man. You know, I've heard rumors and gossip, and maligning, and backbiting, and I'm telling you something, these things should not be in a Christian's life. You got a problem with somebody, give it to the Lord. Give them to the Lord. You know, I've said it before, and I'm going to say it again. If you'll start praying for the people that have wronged you, or the people that you don't like, you will your attitude will change. It will change you. You may not be able to change the person you're praying for. That's up to God and them. But it will change you. Listen to what he says. When we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. If you've ever ridden a uh, horse and lost the reins, I had a white Appaloosa one time. Well, I had it for a while. Don't have it anymore, thank God. Uh, and I lost, I was riding it up through the trees and I lost the reins. And I tell you, that horse tried to hit every tree. <laughs> How it knew what to do. And he, 
Yeah. It says, or take ships as an example. Although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on by a small spark. The tongue is also a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole person, sets the whole course of his life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. Ooh. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and creatures of the sea are being tamed and have been tamed by man, but no man can tame the tongue. It is a re- restless evil full of deadly poison. And this verse always gets me. With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse men who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth comes praise and cursing. My brothers, this should not be. Can, it says, can both fresh water and salt water float flow from the same spring? Well, the answer would be no. My brothers, can a fig tree bear olives? No. Or a grapevine bear figs? No. Neither can a salt spring produce freshly or fresh water. Did you know there's two two kinds of wisdom you can choose from? You can choose from God's wisdom or you can choose earthly wisdom, and it says so in the next verse. Who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show it by his good life by deeds done in humility that comes from wisdom. But, uh uh-oh, if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual of the devil. For where you have envy and selfish ambition... There you find disorder and every evil practice. Listen to what it says here in verse 17. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peaceable. It's considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit. It's impartial and it's sincere. Peacemakers who sow in peace raise a harvest of righteousness. You know, I want to be a peacemaker. What does it say on the, the, what did Jesus say on the mountain of olives? Do any of you remember? Blessed are the peacemakers for they will inherit the earth. I'm assuming inherit the earth when it's remodeled. Okay. You know, have we forgotten what Galatians 5 tells us? Let me read it to you, okay? And just so that you know, we'll, we'll have a standard by which we can sort of judge. It says this in Galatians 5, verse 22. It says, the fruit of the Spirit. So you want to know if you're walking in the Spirit? Here's what it says. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That last one's the one I have a problem with. The self-control part. You know what I mean? Especially when it comes to, well, certain things. 
In James chapter 5, verse 13, it says, Is any one of you in trouble? He should pray. Is anyone happy? Let him sing songs of praise. Is any of you sick? He should call the elders of the church and pray over him and anoint him with oil in the name of the Lord and the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise him up. If he has sinned, he will be forgiven. Therefore, and I don't like this verse. This is a verse I've got to eliminate out of my Bible. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. Man. Listen to what he says here at the last. My brothers, if one of you should wander from the truth and someone should bring him back, remember this, whoever turns a sinner from the error of his way will save him from death and cover over a multitude of sins. You know, we have the choice in our life. We can be victorious or we can be victims. We can just hear the word and not do it, or we can hear the word and do it. The decisions that we make in life sometimes are for a lifetime, aren't they? It says in the Bible that God chose us before the foundation of the world to be holy and blameless in His sight. Do you know what? Listen, I've got really good news for you. God chose you before the foundation of the world. He chose you. He said, Gordon, I'm choosing you. Mike, I'm choosing you. Nancy, I'm choosing you. That, isn't that good news? He chose us before we were even born to be a part of his family. Now, what he's asking us to do is act like members of his family. Okay? That's what he's asking. Is it hard? Yeah, sometimes. Sometimes it's hard. Sometimes you people are hard to put up with. <laughs> Just kidding, of course. Hey, pray with me, would you? Dear Father in heaven, help me to be the kind of person you want me to be. Forgive me for my sins. Cleanse me from all unrighteousness. Help me to control my tongue, my feelings and emotions, and my attitude. I'll give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen.